Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. Good evening. Uh, my name is Che. I'm part of the team here at St George's. Now, I don't know if any of you have been watching Matt Hancock's exploits in the jungle. Anybody going to confess? No. But even if you haven't watched a minute of I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, you've probably ended up in discussions about trust and about keeping promises. You see, and we might well find this utterly depressing, when a politician says, trust me. Yeah, you see, you laughed. I didn't even have to do it for you. Or they promised to do something. Expectations are generally pretty low. But we're here tonight to tell you that God always keeps his promises. Before the choir sang, Chinadu read for us Isaiah's prophecy of Jesus' birth. And Linda has just shared with us Luke's account of that first Christmas. The angel Gabriel announcing to Mary that she would give birth to a son fulfilling God's promise. So over the next few minutes, let's explore together a little bit more about the unexpected way that God kept his promise 2,000 years ago. This painting is the Annunciation by Leonardo da Vinci, the angel Gabriel on the left announcing to Mary the news that she was to be Jesus's mother. Now, of course, this is a stunning artwork of the High Renaissance period, but it is very much of its own time and place. And this kind of artwork can, albeit inadvertently, reinforce some unhelpful ideas that can be hard for us to shift. And we've just sung together in the bleak midwinter, Mary, Jesus's mother, was in maiden bliss. She was a maiden, a virgin. It's one of the things that Mary said to Gabriel in our reading from Luke's Gospel. And so in the real time of the first Christmas, being a maiden, a virgin, means that it was highly likely that Mary was a teenager, maybe even as young as 12 or 13. And yet God chose Mary, a fairly ordinary teenager, with a fairly ordinary fiancé to help fulfill his great promise. You might have teenage children or grandchildren, nieces, nephews, or godchildren. Maybe you're a young adult yourself here this evening. Of course, Mary's story is unique, but it reminds us, more generally speaking, that God calls young people to do wondrous and amazing things. All too often, young people are belittled and patronized, but God doesn't do that. God isn't interested in doing that. Things might not look like you'd expected, but God always keeps his promises. Now, most of us love a good carol, especially at this time of year, but with the best will in the world... If we were to sing all the verses of all the carols, we'd be here till Christmas. Yeah, that was meant to be funnier, but anyway. Uh, 
But in the bleak midwinter does actually have a verse that refers to Mary breastfeeding Jesus. And there's an earthy and beautiful reality to the line we did sing um, that I've already referred to. But his mother only in her maiden bliss worshipped the beloved with a kiss. Jesus, the word of God, who was God, who was in the beginning with God, Jesus, through whom all things were made, every atom, proton, electron, neutron, every up, down, top, bottom, charm, and strange quark, every Higgs boson, Jesus, the maker of all things, came to live amongst us as a tiny baby. And this tiny baby Jesus needed milk. He was totally dependent on the nutrients and minerals that had been made through him. And God continues to use earthy, real people in his work and in his mission. It's an extraordinary privilege, isn't it, for those of us that know the Lord Jesus. Things might not look like you'd expected, but God always keeps his promises. Now that line from In the Bleak Midwinter about Mary giving the baby Jesus a kiss is very beautiful, very poetic, but we do have to make sure we're not accidentally sanitizing the first Christmas a little bit. Now, babies are lovely in many, many, many ways. We've got some babies in tonight. I'd, I'd ask them to give a shout out, but perhaps they can't. We've got babies in tonight. They're lovely. Um, but they, let's be honest, and, and you know, we've got a six-year-old son. They can do some pretty unpleasant things, can't they? You know, can be sick. They can get quite sweaty other things. And um, <laughs> let us be clear with each other that Jesus wasn't being put down for his afternoon nap in a John Lewis Moses basket, or even one from Ikea, or Argos, other retailers are available. Indeed, as we heard in Luke chapter 2, verse 7, Jesus was placed in a manger. That's probably actually a little depression in the floor filled with straw. So the picture I try to remind myself of is one of Mary and Jesus embracing the true reality of that kiss. I even wonder if Mary did that mum thing, do you know what I mean? Lick their thumb, mums do this, mine does. Lick their thumb and like wipe people's foreheads. And I wonder if she did that. The same forehead that would one day wear the crown of thorns. That's all to come in our earthy, real story as we continue to hear about God and how he keeps his promises. Well, good evening, everyone. My name is Lizzie, and I'm another one of the clergy team here at St. George's. Our God is a God who keeps his promises. We've seen that with the birth of Jesus. His birth was promised by prophets long ago. His birth was promised by the angel Gabriel visiting Mary. And then around 2,000 years ago, at a particular time and place in history, it happened. The nativity was not actually the cozy sentimental scene that is often portrayed. But even though it didn't happen quite like anyone expected, God always keeps his promises. The Christmas story is a wonderful story of a baby, 
and a story of a God who keeps his promises. But if we listen carefully, there are clues that this Christmas story is actually part of a much bigger story of a God who keeps his promises. The angel tells the shepherds that Jesus is the saviour. That's echoed by Simeon, who takes the baby Jesus in his arms and says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. This big story is a story of God's promised salvation. We know, don't we, that this world is beautiful but broken. There is so much that is good, noble, and true. And yet there is also fear, pain, poverty, and injustice. One of the things the COVID pandemic taught us is how much of life is out of our control. We can't fix the world by ourselves. We need a savior. In the Old Testament, God keeps promising a savior. And that first Christmas day, he finally arrived. Jesus is the savior, born to bring God's salvation. Like Jesus' birth, salvation also didn't happen quite like anyone expected. But God always keeps his promises. God's people at the time, the Jews, expected salvation for the nation of Israel. But Jesus offers salvation to everyone. That's why his birth was good news of great joy to all people. The Jews imagined salvation would mean freedom from the hated Roman oppressors. But God's promised salvation went far deeper and far beyond that. Jesus offers salvation from all the dark forces that spoil our world, sin, evil, and death. The Jews thought that salvation would come in the form of a military victory. But Jesus won salvation by dying on a cross. Like Jesus' birth, his crucifixion is often portrayed in quite a sanitized way, as in this painting by Raphael, which draws attention to some of the symbolic significance of what was going on. But it was a barbaric method of execution. It didn't look like anyone expected. But God always keeps his promises. So how does that relate to us at Christmas 2022? Where are we in this big story of God's promised salvation? In some ways, it's up to us. Jesus offers salvation to everyone. And when we turn to him, choosing to say yes to this gift of salvation, life changes. The love of Jesus is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us we discover a peace that passes understanding. We are gripped by a resilient hope that shines even in the darkest circumstances. But that's the other thing that nobody expected. 
life is still hard. Shouldn't salvation mean that we're no longer affected by the brokenness and darkness of the world? For many people, life is really tough right now. So it's particularly important to hold on to this truth that even if it doesn't look like you expected, God always keeps his promises. Jesus promises that one day he will return. On that day, all things will be put right. He will wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things will pass away. Until that day, we wait. Now the British are known for waiting. When Her Late Majesty the Queen died, more than a quarter of a million people queued to pay their respects. The queue stretched for up to 10 miles and seemed to take on a life of its own. There were 140 chaplains of different denominations and faith communities who ministered to those who were waiting. One of them, Bishop Emma Einson, commented, chaplain to the queue, surely the most British role ever. As people waited, sometimes for 24 hours in uncomfortable, cold conditions, they talked with those around them. They shared stories of loss and grief, but also of hope and love. Many people said that waiting in the queue was a beautiful and moving experience. We're all waiting for Jesus to return. We wait in a broken, dark world, but we wait with love and hope as we trust in the promises of a faithful God. This Christmas time, be encouraged. As the choir sang earlier, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in Jesus. Jesus, the Savior, has come. Salvation is here, and one day it will come in full. In Jesus, all the promises of God are yes and amen. It may not look like anyone expected, but God always keeps his promises. Thank you for listening to the St George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.